Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Hey, I probably only put this plug in once a year on these podcasts, but I want to remind any of you who have an interest in my ministry of providing courage and perspective to those who serve that this is a donation-funded ministry. Uh, We do what we do because of the generous and faithful giving of others. So if you're interested in supporting me with a one-time donation or regular giving, uh, you can go to my website, www.fruitfulvineministry.com. I almost forgot the address there, but it's www.fruitfulvineministry.com. And you can go to the support page there to, uh, to make some contribution. Appreciate that. Thanks so much. So here's what we have happening today. I'm going to be talking to two friends of mine, Steve Kerhoulis, who is a seasoned pastor of 45, uh, 44 years, I believe, and also Dan Stegman, who is a pastor of 12 years. And we are coming together, uh, representing the two generations of ministry to talk about what it is that causes pastors to quit, or maybe placing that more constructively, uh, what pastors and ministry leaders can do to keep them from quitting. And of course, you know that the title of this podcast is Before You Quit, and uh, I tell the story of how that came about in this podcast. So without any further babbling on my part, which can be uh, very easy to do, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this interview right now with Pastor Steve Karhoulis and Pastor Daniel Stegman. All right, well, I have the privilege of talking to two friends, uh, Dan Stegman and Steve Karhoulis. Uh, good to see the two of you. I know you can't see me because my camera is broken, but I can see the two of you and you can see each other. Uh, but welcome to this Before You Quit podcast. Thank Thanks, you. Mitch. Awesome. Well, we uh, so Dan, you're the one that initiated uh, or approached me about this topic of uh, when a pastor quits or what keeps pastors from quitting. Just the, just this whole uh, reality that uh, you know people in ministry uh, get discouraged and face that point where uh, they they can't handle it anymore. And and so that you broached that with me. Um, wrote a great blog about it, which we'll, we will include in the. Uh, in the website, on the website. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before that, just uh, a few minutes, tell us about yourselves, um, what you do, a little bit about your family. And uh, as you answer that, maybe you could answer, I love asking people what, uh, what's their passion, you know, what drives you the most. Uh, so Steve, why don't you, why don't you start? I was raised in Eastern Orthodox faith, and I kind of try to summarize what that meant to me doesn't mean this to other people, but to me, it meant that I had what I called corporate faith. We baptized into the faith, but I didn't have personal faith. And when I became a Christian, my life radically, drastically changed. Mm. And uh, I had, um, as the Bible talks about, there's a new hunger. There's a, there's a transforming that begins and change. Your life begins to change. And so I graduated from college and um, just felt that I should continue um, working towards maybe Christian vocation, not quite sure. 
But I wanted to test that water. So I, what I did was I went to a seminary for a year, New York Theological Seminary. Um, great experience, 12 students, one professor's kind of Jesus model. We lived with our professor. We did work together, discipled by him. And it was, was there a Judas in the group by any chance? No, 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 yeah. no, we didn't. We, <laughs> no, no, they went to another seminary. Um, <laughs> but that, that um, experience was uh, life altering. And then finished that and went to work with Youth for Christ. But um, that was not. That was a very hard experience. It's part of the story I'm going to tell later on. Mm-hmm. But um, then uh, felt led to go back to seminary. Finished, uh, became an ordained pastor, served in the United Methodist Church for 17 years. Um, I would say 16 were really wonderful years. Uh, mm-hmm. The last year became disillusioned with the church, the direction of the church. Felt it was time to pull out, mm-hmm. and. Um, I met my wife, uh, Candy. She was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, I kind of say she discipled me. And mm-hmm. uh, she she's an amazing person, loves the Lord. Yes, we she part- is. Mm-hmm. partnered well. That's part of the story, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Partnering well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so partnered well. And Candy and I have been serving for 44, church- 44 years. We've served nine different churches. And it's been an incredible Incredible life. Mm. Wouldn't mm. change a thing. Yeah. Well, wonderful. And you've got uh, three boys, one girl. And yes. A number, um, number of grandkids. Yeah. Ten grandchildren, four, four uh, children. Two of the boys are pastors. Um, all the children are involved in their church. And and for parents, I call that kind of the Academy Award. You know, mm-hmm. when your children <laughs> are walking with the Lord, you feel like, man, we've won. And so we're 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 so thankful, so grateful because it for a lot of families it's not that way. Yeah, yeah. a lot of godly families it's not that way. Yeah. but for ours it is, and we are most most grateful. Mm, wonderful. Well, good. Well, thank you for that, Steve. Uh, Dan, let's get to know you here for um, a few minutes. Sure, sure. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, it's good to be on the podcast again. Uh, I guess. Just like Steve, the biggest thing about me is that I'm a Christian. I've been saved by the grace of God, and and there's nothing better than following Jesus. Uh, It's just his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing about me. Uh, I grew up in Western Canada in the, the province of Saskatchewan. I always love to hear my my American friends say Saskatchewan because it's it's always different. It's always interesting to, <laughs> to hear them say that. But uh, that's where I grew up, and I've been uh, married for 14 years to my wonderful wife Stephanie. Uh, I've been a pastor for 14 years, and uh, we have four children. They are we've got twin daughters. They're 12. And then a son that's 10, another son that's seven. Mm. So it's uh, that's a big part of our lives right now. Yeah, yeah. With, are the uh, twins identical? No, they are fraternal. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, that, that guess, is great. Well, I have I have done podcasts with each of you probably twice. And uh, Dan, we've gotten to know each other well, but I've never met you. And my my joke when I, I talk about these kind of relationships and it's really amazing, you know, to, to actually 
become close with someone and and not seen them shoulder you know i've only seen you shoulder up you know <laughs> and so <laughs> my my joke is i you know i've i've known you quite well but i have no idea how tall you are so how tall are you 62 Thanks too. I would have never thought that. <laughs> that's great. yeah. I'm a little on the thin side though. That's yeah. Well, I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, we've got so the the two of you. The reason we did this is uh, because of the topic. We've got someone representing you know the the early side of ministry, and then Steve representing you know the the latter part of ministry, you know, having been in this for 14 some years or 44 years, and then Dan, you 14 years. So uh, it's going to be, you know, as we talk about pastors quitting, what keeps them from quitting? Uh, what do they do when they want to quit? Uh, it's just great to have this this balanced conversation. Because uh, Steve, you mentioned this before we recorded that uh, it's good that this this is being raised for younger pastors, that we we need to be talking about this. So this is a you know, hopefully some coaching and, and discipleship in this. Um, so let, let's dive in. Um, Daniel, you, sh- you sent me a, a short blog about this, this subject. Um, and again, we'll include that in the, on the, the website. Uh, what was on your mind? Why, why did you write that? What were you concerned about? Well, I think the biggest thing is that there are a lot of pastors that are uh, dropping out of the ministry. Uh, that's probably always been the case, but it seems like there has been a little bit of an uptick uh, even since COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're aware of that, and not all of that's bad. Like sometimes that's yeah. that's how the Lord is is leading a man. So yeah, uh, I, I appreciate you mentioning that because we don't want to make it sound like anyone who quits that's bad, you know. But yeah. we'll we'll be touching on that through this conversation. But I've, I've always had this appreciation for uh, for long ministries, long pastorates. I remember this this friend of mine named Skip, he hit 40 years of ministry. And we just had this kind of really informal gathering, and we'd get together once a month or every other month. And I remember I gave him a, a tie, a really nice tie, mm-hmm. to, to kind of honor him. And the other guys, they, I think maybe they thought that was a little weird, but, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> I had this appreciation or I have this appreciation for long pastorates uh, because I, I know it's it's really difficult, especially being a pastor for 14 years now. And I've got some some ministry scars of my own. Um, so I was I just kind of got to thinking, you know, what what are some of the things that contribute to this? Uh, one are the what are the things that maybe negatively impact longevity uh, that's kind of that's the heart behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, and we'll get Steve to chime in here in a second. You you reference in your blog, uh, uh, Paul Tripp's book, Dangerous Calling. Share a little bit about how that that was really some of the origin of your your concern. Yeah, it's it's a great book. I love this book. I was just reading it uh, here this morning. Um, it's about 10 years old. And, and I've heard lots of other pastors talk about it. So it, it's really got a lot of traction and that's a good thing. Um, but what's interesting about the book is he's, he's taught, well, the subtitle is confronting the unique challenges of pastoral ministry. And it's, it's really raw. I mean, he tells lots and lots of stories, but the irony to the book, or at least the first edition of the book 
is that it's endorsed by five very well-known leaders in the church. And out of those five, three have since left the ministry. Two were um, disqualified and one renounced the faith. Mm. So what an, how ironic is that? Mm. <laughs> you know, this is what we do. We, that, this is what publishers do. They have these famous leaders endorse the book, bl- yeah. blurb the book. Um, but out of the five, three are gone. Yeah, it's almost like the very thing that the book is meant to address. The ones who endorsed it did not follow the, 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 the subject of, of the book. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, good stuff. Uh, Steve, what what has um, this this whole notion of quitting look like for you? What what I mean, again, you've been in ministry 40 some years. What what has kept you from quitting or or did you ever quit and rebound again? What what has that looked like in your in your narrative? Um. No, I, I can honestly say I never thought of quitting once. I um, I knew that the Lord had called me to this to this work, and there was no going anywhere else. Mm. Um, no matter how difficult things had gotten, and at one time they had gotten very difficult. And but I I can honestly say that. Uh, my wife, nor myself, we never, never considered, never considered anything else. Yeah. So, so you have experienced though, where you have left the church because of difficulties and moved somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those were difficult experiences. So what kept you from, from quitting? I, I love how you referenced the call of God. Was that really the, the linchpin for that? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm. I'm going to say that it's the call of God that I felt was irrevocable, no matter what was going on around me, my circumstances. I had um, an assurance of the calling that was deeply embedded in my soul, that no matter what was thrown at me, it was not going to dissuade me from knowing that that was a reality mm-hmm. not nothing at all yeah. um, it was it was as hard as a rock mm. yeah mm. how how much does a uh, having a theology of suffering factor into this well i had an i've had interesting experiences in my life i've had eye opening experiences in my life um i think um you know you, we we know this that david kills goliath right but he's already had the experience of killing a lion and a bear so he's had experience in his life mm. of dealing with this kind of an enemy that could take his life or could he's already had experience and so um so I, I was fortunate. I had a lot of experience. See, I worked my first year seminary was in Newark, New Jersey, and I saw tremendous suffering. Mm. Tremendous. Um, I was assistant chaplain at a youth house, which which is a cover name for prison for juvenile delinquents, and I saw firsthand suffering on the face of these young people. And I knew, like uh, M. Scott Peck says in the road less traveled, that 
life is difficult. Well, I discovered the difficulty of life. I was not naive to that. Mm-hmm. So I think I knew that that following Christ had implications of following him into the fray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was that was from the very beginning. I was mm-hmm. not naive about that. Then when I became a United Methodist, here I am. I, I oddly enough, I am um, being Greek Orthodox, I didn't have a theology, and I developed a theology um, along the way, and I was more reformed than Wesleyan, although I liked um, a lot of components of Methodism, but I was mentored by a Methodist pastor who was reformed. So it seemed natural that I become a, a Methodist, knowing very little. Well, I saw w- within Methodism the duality of liberalism mm. and evangelical faith. And I fought that from the very beginning So and suffered because of that. Mm. And I had district superintendents that leaned heavily to the left. Um, so I, I was not naive to the battle. The battle is real, and that's what you're signing up for. When mm. you become a pastor— you're mm-hmm. actually leading the army in the battle. Yeah, that's really that's really a good point. It, it makes me uh, think of a story. I forget who the, the the military leader was. I think this is like a legend from from way back. But the the soldiers would come back from from fighting, and if he saw that they weren't wounded or or had any injury, he would say, go, go back and get your scars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I think that's what ministry is, is when you you're following Christ uh, in, into a battle and 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 leading and protecting people. But sometimes that battle is is within as well. And, yeah. uh, and I think all you have to do is just read the New Testament. I mean, read the whole Bible, but read the New Testament. And, and you see this theology of suffering. In mm-hmm. fact, the, the passage that I'm preaching on this Sunday, it's Romans 5, 3 to 5, where it says, we rejoice in our sufferings. So it's it's never mm. really glossed over in Scripture. It's, it's front and center. Yes. Paul suffered. Uh, all the apostles suffered. Jesus was crucified. And so if we're going to follow in his footsteps— uh, we should expect the same, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That exactly. Um, and I've I've got a story I'll share in in just a few moments of of how that impacted me. Uh, you, you both represent d- different generations, and I'm I'm curious. Um, you can start in- with this, uh, or you you can answer first, Dan. You know the the how how different are the the generation of pastors coming now or in that early stage from the older ones? From your your perspective, maybe it's going to be rather subjective in terms of uh, uh, you know because it's easy for us to say yeah you know yeah. those 30, 40 years ago they they gutted things out they were tougher and and maybe it's too simplistic to say that and and now. You know, it takes less to rattle people. What's your perspective on that? Well, yeah, I, I'm i going to go simplistic. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that my generation, and, and I'm 39, so that kind of tells you, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of almost in the millennial generation there. I, I think that we are more fickle. I think we have this expectation uh, at least those who enter the ministry, that that ministry is going to be that bed of roses, and maybe not 
a bed of roses, but uh, it's, you know, we're just kind of on this path to success and, and there should be that sense of ease. Yeah. Idealism, the, right? Idealism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never previous generations like the, the, the boomer generation, I mean, they're, they were so close to uh, world war two and the, the suffering that, mm. that people went through kind of having that more of a wartime mentality. We're so far removed from that. Yeah that that i do think we tend to be more fickle mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of my simplistic critique of of the younger generation so take it for what it is it, it yeah, is definitely yeah. objective <laughs> yeah my my uh my perspective on that is that the there you know i mentioned idealism that the, there's there's also the attitude that man i'm gonna i'm gonna change the world you know i've, I've been called to do this and when, when you see that doesn't happen, it can be very disillusioning. Uh, I think that was true of the older generation as well. But I, 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 my observation is that that's, uh, that's more prevalent uh, among younger people. Uh, Steve, what's your, what's your observation on that? It's similar. Um, you know, I, historically, we can look at this, and I, I am a part of that generation. I was born in 1950. So the what happened, it seems, is that that the church in the 50s and 60s, and we had what was called the Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. And I believe that after World War II, there was this hunger for answers. Postmodernism, we had modernism, we have postmodernism starting to creep in, but now nah, it's just kind of in the shadows. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the country was leaning towards Christianity, towards spiritual things, and as a pastor, I grew up in that environment, all right? Now, or as a young person, and then later on as a pastor. Well, things changed, right? Because what interestingly happened was, and I, I kind of look at it this way, I say that the World War II generation created the women's liberation movement. Hmm. That the men came back from war unable to relate to females and Mm -hmm. it was a man's world they had ptsd and so you have this insensitivity by a generation that created um, a response in the culture right so now i i look at the younger pastors today as almost a women's liberation movement that seems to be happening among the younger, younger set that um, evangelicalism is harder to define. They are, um, seems to be more open to ideas that will be pragmatic and work within their situation that may not be um, biblical. Mm. And this this kind of change is creating, I think, within the younger generation, a confusion because they were hopeful that these things were going to make a difference. We're going to be part of the new liberation movement within the church and create great things. But anytime you drift away from Scripture, what seems to be happening, unfortunately, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, among the younger set, I mean, the, uh, the older guys, we're reading the books they're reading and going, I'm writing in the margin. No, this is not true. This is not true. This is mm. not true. This is not biblical. This is not true. But they're grabbing it hook, line and sinker and going this author, that author, this idea, this idea. Whereas I think they are looking at this as a liberation movement, mm. liberating from my generation. So there's a gap between the older pastor who mm. seems to be unable we, we, to relate to what's going on in the culture, where I think that years ago that didn't happen. Mm. There was this connection between older and younger pastors where we are now irrelevant. Mm. You know, we're seen as irrelevant because we don't like some of the things that they're holding on to, these mm. evangelical, evangelical young guys. And I think it's stirring within their hearts great confusion mm. And, mm. And, and questioning, you know, well, of course, it's not based on Scripture. A lot of it. It's outside a domain of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I, I think that what we're seeing today is a reaction as women's liberation was a reaction. And a lot of it was right yeah, a lot of it was correct. Yeah, I think the resolve uh, it has to be depending on each other, uh, you know, learning from each other yeah. and and needing each other. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. All right, Daniel, what what is your perspective on, you know, what I just said about, you know, learning from the older generation, leaning on a pastor, You're really capitalizing on the experiences that's there. You know, you heard Steve share how there's a, there's a sense from older pastors that they're uh, marginalized maybe, or, or somewhat irrelevant. Uh, Do you agree with that? Do you think that that's a common perspective of the younger generation that, Hey, they're older, they can't relate. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I think that there is that, that perspective. And, and even a lot of times the older generation just, they, they kind of wonder, you know, what do I have to contribute? This younger generation mm-hmm. is, is so completely different, but I can say that um, from my own experience, uh, the role of older pastors in my life has just been invaluable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, I, I lean on them in, in so many different ways. And, and, and there's been so many pastors that have, confess to me that they, they feel lonely in the ministry. Yeah. And so you need that support. You need that older man to come alongside you, to mentor you, to encourage you, to build into your life. Um, So I I think there has to be that sense of humility. I I don't know it all. I don't have the world by the tail. Uh, And (laughs) I need help. I need Mm -hmm. an older man to come alongside of me. Um, even though I, I am, as, as a pastor, you are a leader and you do have quite a lot of influence. Uh, and, and so it, it, it's, it, it could be easy to think, oh, you know, I got this. I'm mm-hmm. okay. I, c- I can fight this battle on my own. Yeah. Uh, but no, you can't. You need help. You need insight. You need wisdom. So, so I would just or anytime I have the opportunity, I encourage younger pastors to to try and connect with older pastors. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, uh, Steve. The uh, I think that the you know there's the reality that older pastors, because of this sense of you know not 
being relevant or marginalized by the younger generation that 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 could that can contribute to wanting to quit. Uh, but sometimes they don't because, you know, there's nothing else I can do. You know, I need to it, it becomes a career that, yeah. you know, grudgingly is is, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to stay in this and, you know, and then finally retire. But uh, I'd like to quit. But what else would I do? Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yes, I, I think you. I think you uh, articulated correctly that the what what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're an electrician, you're around construction. You can you can nail nails. You might be able to be trained as a plumber. You know how to do that field of work. Mm-hmm. But you know, the ministry is a field of work, and it's kind of narrow. And the thing that happens to a pastor is that it's kind of an interesting thing. It's almost when an older guy or or let's say someone in their 40s or 50s quits, it's almost perceived by the culture as a dishonorable discharge. Mm, mm. Um, and we're labeled as ex you know, if you retire as a pastor, mm-hmm. well, you have the medal, but if you don't, you don't have it. And I think the culture perceives you as oh, this guy's a loser. He couldn't really make it in his field. And now he can work for me. And mm-hmm. or if he works for me, you know, there's this not, there's a lack of respect because of this fact that pastors, it's like you pastor for life mm-hmm. and um, you have to, yeah, that's the perception. I don't, that's yeah. not a reality, yeah. but that's the perception. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I, I'd like to transition here uh, after one more question for you, Dan, that, uh, you know, on, on how this can be a constructive, uh, you know, conversation. We've identified the problem and, you know, what's what's the way to see this as a, as, as a you know, healthy opportunity, encouragement to, to those who are thinking about quitting. But first of all, Dan, what, what are the reasons pastors quit from your perspective? Well, I remember a story from early on in my ministry and, and it was another pastor's fellowship kind of thing. And it, it came out that one of the pastors and, and he pastored a larger church. I don't know how big, but it was, it was a lot bigger than our church. And he said that, that he was quitting uh, he was leaving the ministry. And, and so, of course, we're all wondering why, you know, why, mm. why are you quitting? And he said, well, I like being a pastor. I'm just sick of being a manager. Mm. And, and so that was, that was really illuminating for me because it, it told me that he didn't mind preaching. He didn't mind shepherding, but this whole component that that's almost part of the paradigm, part of the ministry paradigm. If, if you're going to be a pastor, then you have to manage and you have to organize and you have to motivate people. And, and that whole side, uh, he just, that didn't appeal to him. And finally not what got he signed point. up for. That's not what he signed up for. So mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is that there is this ministry paradigm. There is this expectation that the pastor is not just going to to be a, a man of God who uh, demonstrates holiness of life, who preaches and teaches the word and 
and is on his knees praying day by day. There's so much more to it and mm -hmm. it's so complicated. And so I think that's part of the problem. That's why some pastors quit is they, they didn't sign up for what they ended up doing. And they, they just, they just say enough is enough. I don't mm -hmm. want this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barna came out with a survey, uh, I think, yeah, it's been quite recent actually, because it does reference uh, uh, the uh, politics and COVID. Uh, but they, he gives the reasons as the main driver behind uh, the exiting of pastors. And just like for you to reflect on this, maybe Steve, you could start, but uh, there's, there's about five or six things and he's got it down in percentage uh, the immensity, the immense stress of the job, 56% quit over that. Feeling lonely and isolated, 43%. Current political divisions, 38%. So in other words, that's demonstrating itself within the, the walls of the church. Unhappy with the effect their role has had on their family, 29%. Not optimistic about the future of the church, uh, Steve, reflect on that. And, and also, are there other reasons that you find pastors quitting over? I think all of these are, are, are correct. I mean, if this is true, I think, um, I think that, unfortunately, pastoring is a lonely job. There is this isolation, you know, um, you are the pastor, you're out front, and people see you in this role and can't see you outside of that role. So when, so there's a tendency not to want to fellowship or get close to this person who's the pastor or even his wife, Candy mm. experiences this, your wife experienced it, mm -hmm. um, this isolation from the church. And, you know, you only have a couple, you can have a church of 500 and only have, three or four or five people that are relating to you mm -hmm. as friends. And it's, so it's very, very lonely. Pastoring is very lonely. And you got to, you got to understand that that's just the nature of mm -hmm. the job. Mm. And um, so I think that, that all these are, um, you know, these are certainly are correct. That yeah. Dan, I'd be interested, you representing the younger generation. Do you, do you agree with that, that, that comes with the job loneliness or do you feel like the younger generation sees that differently? Yeah, to an extent, I think it, it does to some extent come with the job. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of wired that way. Like I've mm -hmm. always been, I don't mind being alone. In fact, I, I love just being in my study, you know, opening up the words, studying commentaries and mm -hmm. so on. So that's kind of how I'm wired. Um, but I think one thing that really struck me was, uh, I think it's the fourth one you mentioned, unhappy with the effect this role has mm. on the family. Yeah. I think that one is really, Huge. really big because you're serving everyone else. You're mm -hmm. investing in the church and that, that can be draining. Yeah. And then you come home and what do you have left to give to your wife? What do you have left for your kids? And so I think it, the ministry can can be really hard on your family as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be a surprise to people who aren't in ministry to hear 
that the pastor is often lonely because, I mean, goodness, he's around people all the time. He's, you know, working with people, visiting people. Uh, so I, I, I wonder, and I, I've been, I, I've really experienced the tension of this, uh, you know, whether it should be, you know, does it come with a job? Um, you know, fr- friends were so important to me when I pastor. Now, when I left the church, I found that the friendships were different than I thought they were, that, you know, people like to be friends with the pastor. And when the pastor leaves, you find, wait a minute, they're, they're not calling me. Or if I come back in town, they're not as interested to, you know, to spend time with me. I, I found that's been rather shocking to, to discover. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about what keeps us from quitting. And I just a quick story here. Uh, in my last church that I pastored, we we hit a, a real wall, very difficult time. And my I was ready to resign. In fact, my my wife still has the resignation letter that I wrote uh, in in one of her drawers. I think it's the sock drawer. I've seen it there. <laughs> um, so we were we were asked by our district superintendent to go on a retreat just to get our bearing, get some help with with a counselor, and uh, and it was a ministry. It was a retreat, Fairhaven Ministry in in Tennessee. Uh, you know, intended for people in ministry to rest to get perspective. And uh, when we were there, there was a bookshelf full of books, all related to to ministry. And I I grabbed one book, and it was entitled "Before You Quit," which happens to be the title of my podcast. And, and it was by Blaine Allen. And uh, in it, he did, he referenced, as you did earlier, Dan, uh, all the stories in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament of, of servants of God. And, and not one of them uh, were exempt from suffering that, that, mm. that came, you know, we talk about loneliness coming with a job. Uh, suffering, as Steve mentioned earlier, too, that, you know, suffering comes with it. And, um, and that really encouraged me, you know, it's, it's always encouraging to know that other people have suffered. Uh, You're not alone. Uh, But that, that, you know, you follow Christ, you serve him, you're going to face some difficult times. So that book actually kept me from quitting it. it, the, The Lord used that. So what, what has kept you from specifically, what has kept each of you from, from quitting? Well, I think just the the understanding, the perspective that this is a, a huge privilege. You know, mm-hmm. this is a mm-hmm. high calling. I love that. Uh, some would call it the highest calling. I mean, to be a servant of the Most High God, um, and and to be able to suffer like He suffered, and, and of course, we're not dying here, and and we live in America, the freest nation in the world. Uh, so. You have to have that perspective, though, that that it is going to be hard. Um, you're, there's no guarantee that that you're going to be blessed with success. Like I'm, mm. I'm talking numerical success. I think the the outlook, the perspective, the the presupposition that that you bring to the ministry that's really really yeah. important. Uh, and so for me, I'm kind of like Steve. I've I've never really. Uh, even entertain the thought of quitting. Actually, there was mm. after my last uh, post, after I had resigned from that position, my my wife actually asked me. She's like, "Are you sure you want to continue to be a pastor?" Mm. And I'm like, "Honey, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what God's called me to do. Um, 
he confirmed that years ago and, and I'm going to keep at it mm-hmm. as long as I have life. Um, I, so I'm I th- curious that she was that the encouragement she needed as well for herself. Because the wife is impacted by this and sometimes the, the wife wants the pastor to quit, but you know, we're going to keep going. Maybe, maybe a little, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I, I think she, she's told me that she'll follow me wherever I go, whatever I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, yeah, there's no question. I've seen how ministry has negatively impacted mm-hmm. my wife. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just thankful that, that she, that she's so committed to the Lord and, and she's so faithful as, as a ministry partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve, what do you do when a wife says, I can't do this anymore? Well, I, um, I know of two situations that that happened. And um, I, I have to think that the husband of that wife, we're to love our wife as Christ loved the church. And sometimes that means sacrificially giving up the thing you love the most. Mm -hmm. And I think that if she can't handle being in the parish, there's two things going on. And, you know, I looked at this list of why people, what's going on, immense stress, the Mm -hmm. why people quit. But I think there are other reasons people quit. I think um, a lot of other reasons, but I think the main reason is, the husband and wife ministry team does not fit in that church. Mm. And often the pastor, the guy wants, it's kind of like you make an investment in a stock at $10. It goes down to six and you hold on to it, hold on to it. It goes down to four and then the three to two to one. But you keep, even at $1, you keep hoping it's going to go back up to mm-hmm. 10 you know. Mm-hmm. So you hope that it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Pastors do. We mm-hmm. just hope it does. It were, but for the wife, it doesn't. It get, yeah. often gets worse and worse and worse. So I think that that often if, uh, if a pastor could say to his wife, look, what we need is a change of venue, not mm-hmm. a change of profession. Yeah. And if if they can deal with that, let's let's look at we don't fit here. This is a blue collar church. I'm a white collar pastor. I'm a white collar. You're a white collar wife. We had a blue collar church. We don't fit here, but we're here. So let's work on getting out of here, mm-hmm. but not out of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's, the, the, you know fit is real important. Yeah. Where yeah. do we fit? And um, and a lot, I think a lot of pastors quit because they're in the wrong place. Yeah. Not in the wrong job. They're in the mm-hmm. wrong place. Yeah. And it's important to that's where you get back to the call. You yeah. Know, you I'm, could I'm be. You, and yeah. I think you, I think a young pastor, I think any pastor can be called to a place mm-hmm. for a season because God in his sovereignty put you there to show you this is not a good fit. Yeah. And there are a lot of lessons you're going to learn that are going to be invaluable for the rest of your ministry. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. which in, in, you know, ironically in God's providence, it's where he wanted you. It might not be yeah. a good fit, but it's where you grew and, yeah. and learned yeah. a lot. So Steve, for you, what, uh, what specifically has kept you from quitting? Uh, again, you know, same as Daniel, it's mm. the calling. Okay. Um, and the privilege, and I love that 
that he brought that up. And what yeah. other what other profession, <laughs> you know, you get to you get to administer um, spiritual medicine that could save a person's yeah. eternal life. Yeah. Mm. And, and you, get, you know, we 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 handle the 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 sacred text handed down from the prophets yeah. to the apostles, and now it's been placed in my hands. Yeah, wow, I love that. I hope that's an encouragement right now to any pastor who's discouraged to be be reminded of the the awesomeness of what you do and and the privilege uh, to do it. Uh, so I, I hope that injects hope to to some of you who are listening. Yeah. Uh, so one or two more questions. Um, some pastors don't want to quit. Uh, others around them want them to quit. In other words, you know, the, there's pressure. This happened to me one in one church where uh, a group of people did not want me there. I wanted to be there. Uh, so the pastor doesn't want to quit, but others want him to quit. What what should he do? Well, I, I think I can speak to that. I had a situation uh, at, at a pastorate where it was rocky and, and it was rocky with the, the elder board. The church was very loving. The church as a whole uh, was very loving, but there was a couple elders who, who did not like me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's maybe putting it mildly. Um, so I knew that and I was, there was conflict, there was tension there. And it was difficult, but I, I was determined to, to persevere through that. What was really the, the game changer for me was when I realized that there was um, a third elder who I, I'd invested in more than any of the others. Uh, and, and just I had a good relationship with him. I, I, he was very theological, and, and we had many, many conversations. Uh, but when I realized that he had also turned on me, Mm. that was kind of, that was, it felt like the Lord's confirmation that uh, maybe it's time, you know, Mm. maybe you need to, to step down. Um, so there, I mean, you can kind of grit your teeth and you can persevere, but like Steve said, eventually you come to realize that you're just, maybe you're not a good fit. Maybe the Lord's opening the door somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, and, the wise thing, the spiritual thing is not to just kind of try and persevere through it, mm-hmm. um, but to, to just resign or yeah. let the Lord open another door. Yeah. Yeah. Steve. Well, I, I have this, this thing I call the confidence quotient and um, the confidence quotient when you come into a church is at a hundred and you're, your job as a pastor is to keep it high mm. so that the congregation has confidence in you. Mm-hmm. Now, there are mistakes and there are mistakes. You can make a mistake and the confidence quotient might fall, let's say, seven points. But over time, you're able to push that back up to 95, 97. And, you know, it goes back up, Right over time because you're not making the mistakes and and but if you make a huge mistake and in the heart of leadership their confidence in you begins to fall 
And I'm going to give a number of 70. When it comes to 70, it becomes most difficult, even though you might do some amazing things, their confidence in you might go up two points, but it remains at 70. And then you do the next thing, small or large, and it falls below 70, you're out. Mm. You need to get out. You need to be smart and get out. And it's confidence. If they don't, if leadership does not have confidence in your pastoring, pastoral ability, your administrative ability, your preaching, blah, 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 the themes of your sermon, then you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't survive when the confidence falls yeah. to a to a low too low of a level. You're not going to survive it. In fact, oddly enough, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He moves in. And there are pastors that take their life when the confidence falls, mm. or they have. This is what a lot of them do. A lot of them have affairs because mm. they don't know ha- how else to get out of the church. Yeah, and they'll know that's that's a that's the way to exit. Yeah, or they get into sins and drinking. I mean, look at the Hillsong pastor, mm-hmm. and you know they they look for they subconsciously they want out. Interesting. We, we've talked a, a few times about the generational perspective and, and that that might be different. Dan, I, I'm curious, do you, do you feel like your generation of pastors uh, would be that clear cut about it, that if I'm not being accepted here, that quotas, you know, I've lost the collateral, that that's simply enough to say, hey, I need to go? Or, or do you feel like there's more of, of like, no, I'm going to I'm going to hang in there and, you know, make changes and get rid of the problem and then stay? How, how do you view that? Yeah, I don't necessarily see that as a generational thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see that more as a personality thing. Okay. I, I think definitely um, with the younger generation, because we've just been taught this, we've been indoctrinated with it, uh, we need to, to promote ourselves. We need to, I mean, we've, we grew up with Facebook. Well, not quite. That's <laughs> at least I didn't, but yeah. I yeah. But those who are in their mid twenties, late twenties have been influenced by social media immensely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, all the rest. So th- there's kind of that, that notion of, well, um, I need to promote myself and, and as the pastor, I'm kind of the main guy or one of the, the main guys and so I, I think that can, oh, that can be lethal mm. to to the ministry and to, to your spiritual health. Um, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. need to get over yourself. You know, your your life should always be a pointer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and when it becomes about you and your little kingdom, then maybe you should maybe you need to quit mm. rather than just hanging on. Yeah. Uh, you need counseling. You need, you need to grow. There needs mm-hmm. to be maturity in your life. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's just a few. Yeah. Thoughts. I love that. that. No, that's good. That, well, I don't know if I love that, but I, I agree <laughs> with you. Uh, well, let's, let's wrap up here. There's a, a pastor out there who is really discouraged and thinking about quitting. What encouragement can each of you give to him right now? I'm going to say, don't do it. Mm, <laughs> that's it, again, it's really, really simple, but I'm going to say, just 
persevere. You know, that we, I think we've already given the disclaimer that um, maybe if you're not a good fit for the church, maybe you do need to leave that church. But when it comes to, to ministry in general, you need to persevere. You have need of endurance, the Bible says. And, and we're so blessed. Not only do we have the testimony of Scripture, but we've got 2,000 years of church history. Mm. And we've got all these brothers and sisters who have gone before us. Some of them were burned at the stake. Mm. Uh, so we, we just we need to persevere. Um, and quitting quitting is the last resort. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you have wise brothers coming around you saying, "Yeah, you, mm. you need to you need to step aside." Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the simple advice that I would give. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? that's really good. Well, I was thinking when you're talking about burning at the stake, our our problem today is we burn the stake. That's probably the 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 depth of our our struggle. That was a, that was supposed <laughs> to be a joke. Uh, Steve, what about you? What encouragement would you give? Um, I think uh, a good friend of mine, uh, his name is uh, Ben Paskett. And he's, uh, I thought you were going to say Mitch Schultz. Yeah, you're a great friend. Uh, this is <laughs> just a good friend. Um, ben and I talked the other night, and Ben is uh, one of the wisest individuals I know. And Ben talked about learning something that he's been applying that uh, that's relevant to this, to a pastor that's really thinking about quitting. He said, you know what? He said in his own life, he lived in one circle too long and he needed to get into the other circle. And the circle that he lived in too long was the circle of concern. And he became overwhelmed by what was going on at that moment and it it ruined his sleep, his his um, stomach, his stress, his head, the whole thing, and his couldn't have a real closeness with the Lord. Even question his relationship with the Lord in that season of concern because he was in the ministry and it was so tough mm. in the ministry. And he said, "What he's learned is that he needs to get out of the concern circle." and get into the change circle mm. and ask myself the question, what can I change in my own life and in this mm. circumstance that will keep me from being overwhelmed by the concern? Yeah. yeah. And he said he's been practicing that. He's been teaching his son that because mm -hmm. his son tends to be overly concerned, occupied by what's going on versus seeing life as a series of changes. And you learn from this, but you go on from this. You know, Paul said, yeah. forgetting what lies behind, pressing on, mm -hmm. pressing forward yeah. to what lies ahead, yeah. to the to this prize, the upward call of God mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus. There's an upward call. And, yeah. and when you're overly concerned, this is what I'd say, my brother, you're probably over, overly concerned, and we understand that, been there, but until you get into the chain circle, concern is going to eat your life. Yeah. It's going to eat your lunch. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I think one of the overall themes we've talked about today that is in a, this would be my uh, kind of wrap up to encourage that pastor is again, think about the, the high call 
that you've been given. And that doesn't change if, you know, you don't lose that when you make a change. No. You know, no. Um, you can minister. That's the best thing. And I, and I think of the number of times in scripture where, uh, you know, people were under pressure being attacked and, and God told them to escape, to move, you know, the, the, yeah. there's rare occasions where they were told to stay and then they ended up being killed for their, their faith. But, uh, but often God even himself encouraged them to, uh, you know, he protected them by, you know, Paul was lowered down uh, a wall in a, in a basket and uh, the Holy Spirit told him to not go one place, but go somewhere else because there was danger there. And even Jesus did not go to certain places at times because of the, the threat there. Uh, so I, I think that's a, a really good encouragement. To, to, again, the high call doesn't change. Uh, some, sometimes a, a change of, of, uh, of setting or context is, is the best way to yeah. uh, keep your sanity. Or even at Walmart, you know, you can have ministry yeah. working yeah. at Walmart yeah, and probably a better ministry than where you are. You're still in the ministry. Yeah. I love that. that. That's good. Change, 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 change it up. And I think what, what drives me, you asked that question at the beginning. I didn't get a chance to, to answer it. What is it that drives me? Yeah. I want to be able to say like, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, I've fought the good fight. Mm. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Wow. So isn't, isn't that great? I mm. mean, what, what what more motivation do we need than that? That's great. Well, I was I was starting to feel guilty if I didn't end with a scripture. So thank you for inserting that. <laughs> that that's a great wrap up. Well, listen, guys, this has been a long but very good conversation, and I I appreciate so much uh, uh, you guys sharing and taking the time to do this. I I know this will be an encouragement to a lot of people. So thank you so much, Steve and and Dan. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, All right. Mitch. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any comments or questions about anything that we've talked about today on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.